Welcome to the Yellow Pill Podcast. My name is Wale. And my name is Toby. Each week, we take on familiar dilemmas and wicked problems that we all face. On the Yellow Pill, you can expect intimate conversations and provocative questions that can change the way you experience the world. So, shall we begin? Guys, welcome to um, a new, new kind of episode. Um, the first of our... We've still not figured out a name. I've, I've given it a name. Wally doesn't like it, but like... Um, but you call it Deep Takes. Yeah, is it, because it's technically going to be Deep Takes. All right? Like, what are, what are the things that we're going to call it? I'll figure out a name today. And you, and you guys will see the name when it comes out. But no, at the time we're talking about it, we haven't figured out a name yet. <laughs> but in between now and the time we release, release this, there's a name for it going to come out. Yeah. Um, uh, definitely definitely Deep Takes. If you see Deep Takes, and maybe I got hit by a truck. Oh please no! You It's a grown. You are back. It's uh, a grown. <laughs> All right. Takes. Um. So guys, we're um, <laughs> that's like deep fakes with a T. It's not going to create. It. What you mean? It like it's. It, there's so much to it. Like I don't know. Uh, it's a grown you. It's a grown you. Anyways. Um. So okay. Guys, so okay. Yeah. You, you, you no, you do it because actually you're not your thing. But go. You know you always do this thing where like you want to start something and then uh-huh. say it at the same time and like and then I go okay you should go and yeah. then you go, and you go oh no no don't worry you actually go. So <laughs> I know. What are you gonna then say at the start? I was just going to say we're about. To, I was going to wing it. So, but if you've got something planned, <laughs> like. just like I don't I hope, you, I hope you realize how much I wing stuff like particularly when it comes to intros but wait turn down your volume on your mic a bit just to, I think you're coming in a bit loud but yeah cool um but yeah welcome back bro um welcome back everyone this is still on the topic of um premarital fears slash mm. um our chat about we had a chat last week about premarital fears but and, and even though we use mostly the words fear of divorce that was kind of what we're talking about still. And it was, was a very interesting conversation. I think I enjoyed it a lot, listening back to it. I think I told you that um, mm, yeah, yes, you yesterday did. or today. Mm-hmm. And I think it was the first, it was one of the few times where, whereby I've like, mm. I've listened to myself and you talk, but also like an audience. This one just felt a bit different. Yeah. Well, so it was just nice. Um. And the conversation was was a good one because I felt it helped us or helped me anyway. Some things that you said that helped me frame life in a bit of context, you know, particularly in the in the areas of defects of your partner mm. and um, family interference and things like that. Mm. So not to go too much too too deep, we watched the movie. We watched a very very good movie um, called The Marriage Story. I think it's just it, called Marriage Story without the. Oh, there's, there, there's no. Um, yeah. The, do you call it definer? De- determiner? Determiner. Determiner. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. Fair enough. What Murray story? Um, starring Adam Driver, a very tall guy who plays, <laughs> who who has a role in Star Wars. I don't know. I can't remember his role. Um, Adam Driver and Scarlett Johansson. Many of you know her from Marvel, The Red Widow. Red Widow? Was that it? Black Widow. Oh my God! What is wrong? Black with Widow. You? Clearly, you guys can tell I'm I am not <laughs> oh, a superhero, um, fanatic. But anyway, the marriage story centers around a couple who, well, well, they were married, of course, and they're going through a divorce and they have a, a kid who, I'm not sure we were told about his age, but looks like he's about 10. Eight. I think it was eight. Eight there about. Yeah. yeah. 
it did give me it did it did annoy me in a few 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 episodes a lot a lot I just I just threw a chair at him <laughs> like, like bro like <laughs> but I feel like he's a good actor because like really good I, I, at the end exactly. of the movie yeah, I yeah. did that he's actually a really good actor like proper yeah yeah but let's ad, let's yeah. not dive into that first let's yeah, get some yeah. structure alright cool so that was my story in a nutshell and I think he won a couple of awards already mm-hmm. um but it's the genre is it's pretty much drama um you won't get any kind of deep suspense it's as close to reality as possible mm. and why we chose this movie was because a it was as i said it won quite a number of awards but it was one that showed um a couple's journey doing divorce that was quite um that's quite interesting to see how they they expanded the concept of divorce in the movie through the lens of the the married couple in question, their supposed parents in the picture, the divorce lawyers in the picture, the kid, mm. and then every other surrounding element around them. Yeah. So what were your first um, impressions about the movie? How did you find it? Um, what did you think about the entire plot? Yeah. So, you know, when you picked it, I felt like I hadn't watched it before. Like it was a movie I was very familiar with. And I know I'd seen a couple of, like I watch a lot of film reviews and director cuts on YouTube and the marriage story and the scene between, like one of that scene at the apartment where it's just both of them. Or Like I know that sounds like every other scene they did, but there was a particular scene where they've done lots of breakdowns of how that's like good dialogue in a movie. So I thought I had not seen a movie, but then I when I started to watch it, I'm like, oh, I've actually watched this from start to finish before. Um, but I, I don't know, I think it was after I got all the awards and everything. But I think it was a good plot. It was a good story. Um, the difference this time around was that before I watched it, I think I had come across a YouTube video preparing for the previous episode we did that talked about the weirdness of um, family law in the US. And I didn't, when I was now watching the movie again, I realized like, oh, wow, like, all of these things that feel like dramatizations is actually like obviously I knew it was true in some sense, but it just hits different that actually like this is what plays out, right? And yeah, I I think for us on this side where you know family law and you know divorces and that is it's not a structured thing. Families just separate and go their separate ways, and you shall have like single parents staying apart from each other. Um, it was just interesting to see how the law in the u.s has encouraged certain kinds of behaviors actually within the divorce process and i think like you mentioned the introduction of the lawyers into the whole thing and how that changes the dynamics of the conversations and you know almost like a self-fulfilling prophecy that was what it felt like watching that whole lawyer situation coming but as a movie i think it was um it was sad the first time i watched it and even sad now like some things you're like uh like oh my god like why um, but something you can also understand in that sense. And I feel like because I had watched it before, the first scene in the movie where they're doing the talking and things, although someone might hear that and, you know, think it was very nice things and all of those things, maybe because I had a premonition of what was going to happen at the end, I was now beginning to plug and see, oh, how this thing that you said I was really nice about this person was also the source of a pain for you later on, right? how the things that you talked about that this person that made you love the person was also the same thing that caused you a bit of pain at the end. Um, so yeah, I think that was the experience I had like watching it um, again. How about mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Um, 
So just for context, um, we're going to refer to them as Charlie and Nicole. That's the character names. Yeah. Um, we'll call them by their actual names. Um, but yeah, obviously the movie begins with uh, the couples listing what they like about, what they love about each other. Mm. Um, Ch- Charlie and Nicole. And we, we saw them in like a marriage mediator's office. Yeah, he was the a start. therapist. Yeah. Yeah, he was one of those people that probably sit the line between um, mediating for couples who maybe might be thinking about separation or mm. divorce, but not there yet, and trying to get things amicable, amicably done before yeah. instead of going to court. Yeah, yeah. Um, hence his empathetical approach. <laughs> I um, was useless, I swear. <laughs> but I think my very first thought at the start of the movie was I kept thinking have I ever made a detailed list about somebody like that in my life because um, the list that that was being spoken about at the start of the movie I think that was Nicole's voice yeah was it Charlie's voice no it was Nicole's voice I think Nicole started and yeah it was Nicole's voice we're hearing at the start it was like the voiceover yeah it was a very detailed list I mean it was nice to show how much she really knew the guy she really knew Charlie yeah. Um, but I kind of had hope um, when the married mediator was was talking to them. I was just hoping like things would work out, even though I knew things would not work out. Yeah. I was just still hoping in that scene <laughs> that things would work out, you know. Yeah. I was going to say, like, I, I had that hope at first, but immediately Charlie spoke. I already knew he was dead on arrival. Like, immediately he spoke. I don't know, there was just something about, and this was even before I watched it, there was just something about his energy and the way he responded that I could, or it, like I, I had already written a script in my head, regardless of what the movie was about to show me. And yeah. the script I had in my head was, um, this scene makes her seem like the crazy person, but it looks like he's done a lot to put her in this position, but he's now put himself in a position where he's above it all and he's been the one that is rational in this case. Um, mm. talk and call it like him gaslighting or whatnot but honestly like once he just said the word and just how his dynamic with the mediator guy gave up those vibes immediately I don't know if it was deliberately acted in that way or maybe it's just me imposing on it but I don't know do you think that in marriage some people may try to always look like the good ones even during chaos absolutely because Charlie was talking about how um, he can read his list it's fine to read his list, and he said it in a very narcissistic, narcissistic way a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. And it just kind of made me feel like when you're in the presence of somebody, a third party, couples get to the point. Some couples get to the point where they want to appear as the ones Sane that are normal. not yeah. the problem. Yeah, which is a bit odd. Odd how though. It's odd because even if you appear as the only one problem, problem is still there. I guess that's because, what narcissism comes in, right? Like you're not really concerned about the depth of it. It's just the appearance of things. And mm. as long as in that moment you get your way, you're kind of like fine. But aside from that though, in a weird way I can relate to that of like just choosing to be level-headed like, it's easier for you to be level-headed because you know that your partner can easily drag you into a situation of back-and-forth words. Um, and you've just built out the capacity to be able to... Maybe because you know it also annoys them when you don't join them in that shouting match. So you're doing this not because 
it's the right thing to do, but because it's you winning in your books in that situation mm, where, mm, mm. you know, they're being all erratic and you're now being the rational one. Um, and they're good sides to it because like if everybody gets in the shouting match every time, you won't really get anywhere. But I think motivations are always key. Like, why are you being so chill about it and showing no emotion? Um, but he even went a step further because, you know, he was like, yeah, I'm trying to read mine. I think what I wrote was really great. <laughs> like, it's like, so they're, te- they're telling you to write something about the other person, but you're not so concerned about what you've written because it's going to make the other person feel better. But you're, right to, you're, you're concerned or you're happy because you feel like you've written something really well um, and you're the good lover in this case. I don't know if you get what I mean. Performative. And yeah. It, and it takes me back to the list that she was, the list they're talking about. First of all, let mm-hmm. me actually play the list. Um, I, ca- I kind of captured it. So this was okay. Nicole speaking some of what she said about Charlie at the start, which I found really nice. So that caught my attention a lot because, um, you know, at the start of the movie, it kind of felt, as, as you said, when she was reading that plot, it kind of felt like she was one losing out um, in their separation. She was the one who would lose out. Mm. Um, because even though she pointed some of his flaws, they seemed to be flaws that were just a result of a perfect or a good human being. Mm. And then I think what that surprised me was as the movie went on, how she kind of then said that she stopped belonging to herself mm-hmm. throughout their marriage. Um, yeah. That she felt like she was just fitting his vision and living his own dream. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that kind of also makes me realize, like, I wonder what statistics is on couples who work together. Mm. In the same, you know, in the same, in the same, I mean, could be an office, same office, same job, same place. Mm. And I wonder how that will impact their marriage. I'm actually, that's actually a genuinely curious question because I'm not sure I could do it. Um, <laughs> the, only, the only thing I could do is if we're running Facebook together. <laughs> you know, like, like, like there has Even, to be some, there has to be yeah. some, like, incredibly successful venture but it has to start from somewhere right so that is a good point that is a very good point um i just think i like a lot of separation um (laughs) compartmentalization and and what i said compartmentalization maybe maybe that as well um yeah but i'm not saying that's why they had problems but i think it definitely contributed to the fact that Hmm. they had issues because she was their lives went to their lives went to twine in the theater, which yeah. Charlie was directing. And as he was becoming a better director, one could argue that she was becoming less of a 
popular actress because he began to get the spotlight. The spotlight, yeah. And even though when when he began, she was the spotlight because she was a good actress, but then it was just starting. Yeah. But and as then. it rose, she kind of just faded out. And I wonder, obviously, that could have, not that could, that definitely added to what part of things that she was annoyed about. But in his life, he probably just thought, yeah, he was the genius about things. He helped her, mm-hmm. and that's what she wanted. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I put something down that covers a range of things that you just said, um, and I'll play a voice note at the end of it, or play a, a section of it that I think covers something you said. Um, but I wrote here when I was listening to them talking about their list, um, the keyword I put there was double-edged sword. And it's something like, you know, they seem like different people, first in a way that feels complimentary, but you can almost sense that things that these are the same things that will become a potential conflict point for them later on, right? From the little things like, you know, closing the cupboard or the cleaning list to big things like how she chooses to parent. Because I know, I think she felt more like someone that was coddling the child and he wanted a lot more like sternness in things like that. Um, And obviously like it just displays their personality and somebody can say, oh, that's, you know, a good balance and things like that. But I think just made me think about how Again, like I said at the start, the same things that, you know, feel like a good thing in one phase can easily transition and be the same things that be the thing that, you know, become a contention point. And it's always good to be aware of that um, in, in that sense. It sounds very cliche, like, oh, the means that, like, you know, the things that power your love, the things that power the, the hate and whatnot as well. But it really is true when you think about it like that. Um, and I think I wrote something here about giving up on your dream as a sacrificial act for a partner. And like, I've always, I've never really, I don't know what, you, what do you think about that? Because that seems to be what happened here where, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's hard. I don't know. Yeah. That's very but, hard. It's a good point to raise. I mm. honestly don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm <laughs> not going to lie. I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine a scenario like, like that. I don't know I'm going to respond, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, it's like... Because think, I think I'm somebody who, like... I don't know what I, don't know what, what I can give up. Mm, to be with someone. I mean, okay, no. I know. Theoretically, I know. Mm. But... Depends on what we're talking, because the problem is, like... There's giving up a dream... Sacrificing your dream for somebody else, mm-hmm. but is that when is that when it's the only choice? What do you and mean? Do, and do you both see? Sometimes there could be workarounds or alternatives. Okay, 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 that people do not may not decide to walk through or mm. algorithmize or find a way to find. Mm. Um. But again, I don't know. Easier said what I'm saying. I don't know. But I can imagine many women do that. Do that for men. Yeah. Um. And mm. I probably should ask them how they feel about it because I don't know. But I can already imagine many women do that for men. I can imagine statistics will show that many women do that more mm-hmm. for men. For men. Give up their yeah. dreams for men more often than men do that for women. Yeah. It's an interesting one, right? Um. And I think the thing about sacrifice is that it's just like obviously the facts will change from person to person and things like that. Like you said, women seem to do it a lot more. Um, 
but you know i would you would you like put yourself in that situation maybe let me flip the question not like what would you be willing to sacrifice but would you be comfortable with someone sacrificing something really big for you even even that i don't think i will exactly so that's what i'm thinking i'm like it's it's yes obviously you can say um i don't know if i'll do it for someone but the truth, I'm some might call you selfish, but you know, like what we just said now is like I wouldn't even necessarily want someone to do that for me because it feels, I don't know, and I'm not saying it because I'm the goody two shoes because it can also be for selfish reasons because I feel like that puts a pressure on. At some point, I don't know. I don't say at I some mean, point. A simple I'll, scenario for anybody thinking. Yeah. Example is if your spouse gets a good job. Mm-hmm, I have to get your job to go. And but the job is in different states or place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, you have to, and she has to either move or decline the job. Yeah. And she move, you're moving her. And she, if she moves, you're quitting your own job. Yeah. It could be that maybe your job, you are maybe rising mm-hmm. and stuff. But that one, is, that one is an easy answer because people can use okay, numbers. Well, she's, 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 she's yeah, anymore. Money, yeah. Then yeah, why yeah. not? Which I yeah. agree. Why not? <laughs> but why she's earning like one mil? Bro, I'm like boy life. 200. I'm leaving. I'm like, buying the tickets. Yeah. <laughs> Let's deep out love. But <laughs> <laughs> well, funny enough, I know a couple that I don't know the circumstances of it, but um, I know she had to move with him, um, and I think she had to give something up. But I don't know how big what she had to give up was. But the further down the line, the point is she's actually in a much better place now because she got a way better job in the city that they moved to, and they're doing. Like she's now even earning more than I think she's earning more than him at this time at the point. Like even though they moved because of him, or I think he was actually the one that moved because of her, one of the two. But anyways, like I feel like I would actually be more willing to do it for someone than to have someone do it for me, especially if it's something that I know is going to set them back. But if it's that we figure it out together, that that kind of yeah. that that's odd. I mean, I, I know I know what you're saying, but I think yeah. that's, that's an odd. I'm trying to like psychoanalyze that. <laughs> That why I'm willing to do it for why someone. Why would you be more at peace doing for somebody that's not doing it for you? It, the, there's a fear um, hidden, be, hidden beneath that statement. Maybe. I think it's because, like, I feel like I know myself enough to know that in certain situations, I can make something work, right? If I know I truly, genuinely, I think, have feelings for this person and stuff, maybe there are things I believe I can make work. So maybe this is actually just me just reflecting on the fact that maybe I've been with partners in the past that maybe are different people than I am and I feel the need to protect them in certain situations. So I know that, you know, if I made them make a move um, that I wasn't sure it would end like super well for them. Maybe, like, I don't know, I'm just saying, like, maybe it's just a protective thing. Maybe it's not. But yeah, we can psychoanalyze that later. But before we spend too long on this, I think I wanted to play the thing about her getting smaller right um just her describing her experience of going from this rising star to to being this person all right and um so we spent the whole night and the next day together and i just never left yes to be honest all the problems were there in the beginning too i just went along with him in his life because it felt so damn good to feel myself alive in the beginning, I was the actress, the star, and that felt like something. You know, people came to see me at first, but the farther away I got from that and the more acclaimed the theater company got, I had less and less weight. That scene was became... amazing acting. Yeah, it was. Directing, it... <laughs> yeah. Who 
oh, you know, the actress that was in that thing that time, and, and he was the draw. And that would have been fine, but I got smaller. Hmm. I realized I... <laughs> I never really come alive for myself. I was just feeding his aliveness. And, you know, he was so smart and creative. It, it was fine. Yeah. Um, and I, that got me thinking about how, like, you know, is this thing they say where they say um, you need to bring your whole self into, like, a relationship and don't lose yourself in it because... It's like it's weird because when when you then do that, your the relationship then becomes your identity in a kind of way, and then when things start to go wrong, you kind of like don't have anything to lean on. In that how sense, that, because how does that reflect in what do you mean by bring your own self? Regarding what she said, so obviously, like she was this entire person, right? Um, before she met this guy, right? Um, and she felt a part of herself was dead, and she felt alive with this guy. Um, but instead of continuing to do her own thing as well as be in that relationship with this guy that she thinks is amazing, um, that aliveness she felt with him, she felt she needed to keep feeding that, but at the expense of herself, right? So, you know, doing the things that he wants to do and just being there for him because she found value in a relationship with him. And maybe if he was doing the same to her in that sense, maybe things would have been fine. But I'm sure he wasn't even seeing it as that because as we'll find out later on, for him, like he was doing what she wanted in that kind of way. So almost feels like a communication thing as well. But I'm just saying that if you get into a relationship and then you start to serve sort of like only the relationship at the expense of yourself, which feels like a counterintuitive thing to say. But I don't know. I think for partners in on the other end, when they feel as if the relationship with you is all that you kind of like have, Right, so they have their own life, and then they have the relationship with you. But it seems like all you have is the relationship with them. It can feel like a weird balance of power. But I my... think that was magnified only because they worked together and their lives were intertwined. Their destinies, their working destiny, professional destinies. Mm. Because at some point she became, well, at some point she was the anchor of his yeah life as a director. Yeah. Because she was doing so well. Mm. But as it got better, as it rose, and they had mm. more actors or whatever, she became just a peripheral member. Why? Because they were in the same space and he was rising. So the thing is, if she was not in his theater, yeah. that part of herself that is whole, that is herself, She'll have a different defined life outside of him. Mm-hmm. And then she'll have that and the relationship at home or yeah. relationship. But I think that was a huge contributing factor. And also because their work as well being a creative kind of endeavor, I think has something to do with it as well. Because if you're just working as as consultants, that's a bit different. Mm. But I think with the creative side of things... Um, There's a part of yourself that is in that thing as well so it's yeah yeah, yeah it, it's yeah. it's much it tags much more to your onto your identity as a human hmm. and it, fo- it follows you home yeah a lot more um but that scene was a very nice scene because i think that's when i began to realize that nora was 
was so funny. Um, the lawyer. Yeah, okay. the, um, um, Nicole's lawyer. And, yeah. I, and I'm going to play one of our monologues later, which I found so amazing. I thought it was one of the best <laughs> monologues, monologues I've seen in a long time. But before I play that, I just want to play this one as well. I don't know what she said. I'm not sure what this is, but let's find out. I want you to listen to me. What you're doing is an act of hope. You understand that? Yeah. You're saying I want something better for myself. You do. And this right now is the worst time. It will only get better. Yeah, so I know I recorded this because I, my question my question here was when you're going through a divorce with somebody, uh, your divorce lawyers can they actually be empathetic? Is that actually possible? Does does that contradict their professional logic? I don't know the, the direct answer to that question because you know, uh, Charlie's. But actually, lawyer. yes, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah. Charlie's, yeah, yeah. So I think I recorded that before I met Charlie's lawyer. Yeah, I could see, I, I could see a different vibe with that vibe with that one you know because i yeah i feel like he was the most grounded for although they made him seem like the most ridiculous person in the movie like i feel like he was the most grounded because although some i think the the same points that the young the charlie's rich lawyers the new york guys the same points that they made about um i feel like he they and the old guy made the same points but they made it using it as a weapon to you know uh-huh. Yeah. Whereas the and they old were just guy willing to play play dirty, play the, the game guy had exactly, more, exactly, um, or whatever word maybe respect or yeah, care. Yeah, and another character that I felt was interesting was Nicole's mom. Um, oh, I mean, gosh. We, 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 we'll come back to Nora, but do you know how like can you survive? So Nicole's mom for for anybody hasn't watched the movie or is curious, Nicole's mom was one of those mothers who would talk to Charlie like hang out with him, call him on the side, but not tell Nicole that she's doing it. <laughs> and she would say that she should be like his buddy, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um and you know like this, this kind of parents that would take more interest in the spouse than the actual kid. That mm. was Nicole's mom. That was the vibe that we got. Can you survive having her as a mom if she's friends with your ex and she sees her as okay? Wait, rephrase it. Come again. So can you survive having Nicole as your mother that is friends with your ex and she, ah. and she, and she thinks it's okay to be friends with your ex? <laughs> um, I guess it depends on the circumstances of the ex-relationship being an ex-relationship, right? Do you guess? Like if, if things ended amicably and all of those things and, you know, I guess it would be weird, but we're all adults and everybody can do what they want to do in that mm-hmm. sense. But if it's that, you know, Things are a bit feisty in that sense. Um, it it it's not really logical. Um, it feels like potential for more trouble. Like why? Like why do you feel the need to do that? Like what's what's this about in that sense? Right? Yeah. It 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 definitely reflects something about the relationship between the mother and the child. More and than, the child, like, more than exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think exactly. if anyone's in that scenario, that's probably something to think about. Yeah. Um, it's a case of what is the relationship between you and that parents to make mm-hmm. that parent befriend your ex husband mm-hmm. despite and and think it's okay yeah um but in the last episode we spoke about ignoring signs of defect or ignoring mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. And i think this movie definitely showed us an element of that and 
And I can't capture that in a 30 second clip here. So we spent the whole night and the next day together and I just never left. Yes, to be honest, all the problems were there in the beginning too. I just went along with him in his life because it felt so damn good to feel myself alive. Which is the same clip you also recorded earlier. Yeah, yeah. And she and she did admit the problems were there at the start, but mm-hmm. she felt alive, right? As as you, as you rightly pointed out, and I think you know we also spoke about the last episode where we said, at what point do you stop? At what point do you stop ignoring the signs of defects mm-hmm. because you're in too deep or you're in you're in too alive, as Nicole said. <laughs> you know, and I think this is a good example of how. As you said, if you have to determine to yourself, maybe whatever you can ampli- whatever it is that is problematic, mm. can you handle it if it's amplified to raise to power ten? Yeah. And I think when that was amplified for her, Nicole began to lose who she was. Yeah. Or Charlie or Charlie began to ride her even more, get worse. Mm. Um but yeah, it was just a very, very interesting point and when, when I saw that. Yeah. But I think one thing about the movie that I also liked was they had amazing fights. So they had two main big fights. I recorded both of right? them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so let me let you play the let me let me let you play the first one. The, the first Wait. one was one Wait, the, the first, first, one, first fight happened at the Halloween. Okay, I know I didn't record that one. So I recorded what I'm considering two big fights are the two levels of the it's the same fights, but it changed gears when they were in his apartment. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, 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 so the big, fi- but the big, uh, what am I saying? The first big fight was when um, it was a Halloween party, and yeah, and honestly, that fight came out because of the divorce lawyers. Yeah, and going back to your point about family law, like first of all, twenty five <laughs> grand for a retainer—that's <laughs> a lot of money. Nah, bro, like. The American ecosystem, just not even the law thing. This is just, and the sunk cost fallacy in that system is mad. In, yeah, because once you add money like that, yeah, you're gonna add a lot more money because you have to win, yeah. and you see that as exactly see that as a winning game, as opposed to you know the old guy said it right. Yeah, yeah, um, and he he tried to center them back on the child, like you know you waste all the money on the lawyers when you could have put that into a college fund and things yeah. like that. Yeah. And and it's weird because, you know, the same arguments that Adam was making, sorry, um, Charlie was making to Nicole that, you know, she's fighting for something that she doesn't really want in that Once. sense. Yeah. Like, it was the same thing he was doing because, like, again, I know the lawyers use it as an argument against him, but always working, you know, once in a while you want to spend time with your kid and stuff. But I guess the idea of not having it's all like being able to do what you want and having your kid accessible was always making him like, you know, because even all the time that the kid was with him, he was so focused on doing other things like, you know, trying to get his play going and stuff like that. So I guess it's this idea and he was fine with it at the start. I think also she was also fine with going ahead with just not doing it. But once Nora got introduced, the lawyer got introduced into the situation, I think that call really spooked him. But also, do you you know that's interesting because Divorce almost goes on, goes on the assumption that a parent is perfect even when they're alone. Hmm, what do you mean? Explain. So, if if a woman is overcuddling to a baby, to her child, hmm. or a dad is overly distant, 
Okay, not overly. Overly is an extreme. Mm. In Charlie's case, he was working a lot. He hung mm. out with his boy. He took walks, but yeah, get distracted. Nicole had issues with trying to draw boundaries on discipline for him. Mm. But together, that was probably okay. Mm. Together, when they were together, mm. right? It's a, it was a good parenting match because she would do the things that he wouldn't do. And he would draw the lines where she wouldn't draw the lines. Mm. But when they're then getting divorced. Yeah, it's not one against the other. And they're picking holes in each, each parent. Divorce is going with the assumption that the parent has to be perfect as a single parent. Mm. Mm. Because, the, are, are you trying I, to... Yeah, are, yeah, are you I get what you mean. Yeah, 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 I get what you mean. And it's almost like a flawed assumption because the idea of parenting is... Yeah, cool, yeah. Is, which is why people say, people will say, oh, we stayed married because of the kids. That's a noble reason to stay married. Because mm. I'm not saying everyone should. I'm not saying that. Hold, hold yeah. your, hold, hold your horses. <laughs> I, I can't, I can't see somebody saying, raising their eyebrows. Yeah. But my point is, him being a boundary line kind of disciplinary parent versus a little busy, but my boy needs, needs me around versus her being, you know, overly cuddly slash maybe not telling the boy some things you stop doing. Mm-hmm. Together, together, the boy have gotten the best of both worlds. But yeah. separately, the lawyers and the divorce system picks that apart as every strength as a weakness. Yeah. And it's just a funny scenario because what did they then do? Because one person cannot be everything. Mm. At least not at the moment of separation. They yeah. can learn to be more okay. than one person yeah. over the course of a single parenthood. Mm. But I, I find it crazy that at the moment at which you cut off, you're then judging them on the metrics of the way as a co-parent hmm. yeah it's it's a very bizarre system it um, is it is i also found it uh bizarre when the couples the couple not couples the couple were at the lawyers um so nicole and charlie were were with charlie's old lawyer okay. and um nora yeah and and they were trying to reach an agreement mm-hmm right and they just paused and oh and, yeah i wanted to um, get lunch or that lunch, or that lunch. And i then, just thought this is odd because you're both arguing about what your client should get mm-hmm. and then you argue for like 15 minutes and arguments and then, that 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 bring in some personal personal jabs, um, there. jabs yeah. here and there and they just go oh do you want to get lunch by the way and he goes yes and then at the same point, the main couple in said that they're quiet, right? Yeah. And the other lunch, and then they continue. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm yeah. thinking, what kind of performance is this? But also, how do the couples eventually, their voices get silent? Because the divorce lawyers do all the talking and have a vocabulary to win a debate. Yeah. But then the actual people often lose their voice because we don't hear them speak anymore, just lawyers. Yeah. And, you know, some things are not like, you know, they, they say they're representing the, the clients in this case. But, you know, Nora, some of the information that Nora was using, it's not as if 
she asked um you know nicole that okay I, we need to put him in this position so tell me this about him it was a story i, was, I think that's why she allowed her to be vulnerable with her in the initial scene to yeah. get some of those yeah yeah things yeah 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 she played it well and then she then used those things and then you know at that point in time you can't stand up and say oh i know i didn't mean that you understand and then you know charlie being on the receiving end of that then thinks that's a strategy that is being used mm, and so he mm. goes and then volunteers information and then just becomes this bloodbath um and the old guy didn't use that as a as a reference but we've maybe mentioned this old guy so <laughs> maybe that's why it wasn't rich it wasn't <laughs> anyways but um let me like we've said this old guy so much um but i wanted to play a section of of his meeting with the old guy like when he took a sidebar Sure. Um, uh, so, yeah. Nora is a very good lawyer. Uh-huh. Tough, right? Yeah. And you're in a bind because you've shown you're willing to fly out so here, rent an apartment to stay here. Yeah. I'm going to do that. I know that. And I'm doing that because I want to see my kid, not to set a precedent. Yes, but unfortunately, you are setting a precedent. And a judge might look at it that way. What's the alternative? I stay in New York and never come out here? No, because then it would look to the court like you don't care about seeing your son. Court or no court? Stop saying court, then never court. Well, the way this is going, we may have to go to court. Are you aware of how maddening you sound? I am. And I know it seems unfair. But imagine if you were a poor mother whose husband abandons her and then refuses to pay anything. That's what the system is trying to protect people from. Yeah, so I'll just stop it there. Um, but I only use this to talk about, like, systems and how, like, people usually try to default to them as this infallible thing, but the, the, the law just tries to, like, throw a blanket that hopefully is large enough to cover <laughs> everything that is possible, right? And then if your case is one of the edge cases, they start to like, you know, patch, do patch work to make sure it covers those things, right? Um, and so it's where that people then default to that as the thing that is going to settle this very complicated relationship that changes from person to person. You guess, like, like lawyer said, like the law is built to stop bad actors from doing certain things, but sometimes it's just through a blanket statement. And even if you're not a bad actor in that case, you kind of like get the short end of the stick. And I know for those in like on, on the sub, like on the other side of the continent, this doesn't really factor in as much because our law, our legal system isn't as strong. Uh, men get away with a lot. The absent fathers, they don't have to do anything for the kids and stuff like that. But obviously in, in more developed societies, this becomes a thing. But one of the videos I was watching was talking, it talked about how um, the legal family law system actually encourages bad behavior. Um, and it rewards bad behavior from the person that by default the law will be on its side right and usually that happens to be the mother in this case right which is why you know he's having to jump through all these hoops where you know he has to prove that he lives in a particular city but him paying the bill to stay in that city shows that oh then he can do that anyways but if he didn't do that in the first place it meant you know he wasn't a father that cared so it's like he's caught in this like weird trap and he's the one paying for part of his of his wife's fees for the legal system like it's it's a very and you know i think the way it was designed is because like you know men had all the you know economical power and all of those things and so it only made sense in the divorce situation that he has to fund any of things because 
traditionally women were not working in those cases as far no, back as the law. There's that, and there's also the fact that women women take a step back after pregnancy. after childbirth, exactly. To because childbirth itself is a is an economical cost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And women. Yeah, but to be fair, you know well, that. Yeah, sorry, yeah go, go on. on. No, I was gonna say like there's like this has created an other side of red pill men when it comes to um divorce rights like the video honestly the video i watched that day i needed i needed to like after listening to the video just go and refresh and wash myself clean because bro like <laughs> this guy and it had a million views this guy was essentially tre- telling men and giving men the best way to approach this whole divorce situation because the law is set out against men and in some way shape and form there was some truth in it but like the animosity and the vitriol that was coming out of the Honestly, recommendations. I can never imagine what it feels like to go through a divorce. Mm. I can't even imagine what it feels like to go through a, a terrible one that involves you losing everything. Yeah. Both meaning, meaning in life, your family, mm. both of finances. It applies to both men and women. What I would say though is Regardless of what happens, there has to be a system, right? And this is where this is why the yellow peel we say we we take things back to the local level, which is your own life. And systems are not designed for everybody; They're designed for those who fall into it. And in some weird way, it means that at some point we have responsibility. To not fall into it. In many moments, right? Maybe even if you even if you actually actually end up with the wrong person, because it happened. People change. But amongst those who end up with wrong wrong people, there's still a lot of people who can make it end a lot better than it actually ends. Either with extra humility here, either with extra care here. Or either with less anger, just some certain things. And I think the system has to be there because, as you said, it's bad actors. But also, the alternative is almost impossible because you have to take into account too many categories. Mm. But again, the money is already the money. There's already been too much evidence that the money can come out mm. from these problems. And once the evidence is already there on paper, there's no going back. Mm. There yeah. is no going back because that, that money, bro, 25K for retainer. <laughs> and do you know what I mean? Divorce, divorces those guys will be handling. Yeah. Uh, see the whole, yeah, the whole courtroom, even the, the court the judge was like, he has a backlog of cases to like catch up on and all of those are like sponsored by lawyers. So I think sometimes, um, maybe this is where we can cap it up a, a bit and just going on the system's points is for you to realize that, you know, there are things that drive certain things. And maybe sometimes if you take a step back and try to understand what the possible motivations for anything that you're faced with or having to deal with, what the motivations for that person or institution or system or law, like what are the possible reasons why this exists and what might this, who might this be serving in a positive way that you think is impossible? Like you feel like it's a negative thing, but there might be someone that feels this is positive. So I think when you come to that realization that, that's a possibility. I think it maybe allows you lower your expectations for certain things and try to sort things out on your own 
in I don't want to say in a natural way, but I don't know. I think people there's a lot of reason why people like to um yield control to an external third party to make decisions and then people like at least the person made that decision. I think we spoke about this in that season two episode on apartments where you want to absolve yourself of the responsibility for taking like the result of anything that gets decided. So in a small kind of way, you're happy to have somebody else decide um, so that you can then kind of like go back and blame that as the reason why this happened or this didn't happen. Mm. And we even saw this in this movie in this case where, you know, um, you're the one that went to hire the lawyer and the lawyer is doing what the lawyer does best, but you're then blaming the lawyer for what's going on. But technically you made that first call, right? Um, you know, there's just all of that seeding and, you know, taking control when it suits us. Um, but the main point I'm just trying to make is that systems have an agenda at the end of the day. So you need to almost be able to read what that agenda is, decide if you're going to play in that game and then, you know, move accordingly. Um, mm. That's mm. what I would say. Yeah. So, so going back to Nicole and Charlie, there was a scene where I struck me, a couple of scenes I want to run past it that struck me, but one of those were, one of those were the scene that she was cutting his hair even during the divorce process. Mm. <laughs> I just thought that was interesting because despite them going through a divorce, they're still showing a moment that they've had so many, so many times in their married life. And even though they knew the outcome of the relationship, that, that routine was already still embedded in who they were because they've shared that so many times as a couple. Yeah. When you said that scene, like, did you, did you have any thoughts? Or did it just pass you by? Yeah, I, I, I remember specifically the scene. And um, for me, what I just, I didn't look at it in that much of a positive light, like the way you have. I think for me, it was more like, you know, that dependency is still there, um, but it will fade out. It, it would fade away at some points, but it's obviously still very fresh. And so you're used to doing those routines. Almost, I think I saw a tweet recently today, you know, about when you stop talking to someone like, okay, so now that I've done this really exciting thing or I found this potato chips I've been looking for and you just feel the instinct to want to tell this person about it and remember that, oh, you're not necessarily talking to that person anymore. So I feel like, that in the early days, that familiarity and that intertwinedness that has happened, it's hard to, you can't just untangle it in, you know, two months. Like a seven-year relationship is not going to get untangled in, in one month mm. or two months. So for me, I didn't see that as, because I think why, why it didn't strike me as something positive in that sense is that sometimes people use that as a reason to be like, oh, let's still stay together. But just because there's a presence of familiarity there doesn't mean it's still not best that the relationship reaches its, you know, it's natural end in that sense. So I think mm. that's why for me, I saw it as like, sure, but you know, this probably isn't the healthy thing to do in this position, even though it feels very nice and warm. Mm. Another thing that struck me was there was a scene at the end, but actually before I go to the end, let me, let's play the, the two big fights. Um, not sure. I only play the second big fight. Yeah. Which is very interesting. So this this scene actually began quite amicable. <laughs> they were speaking. They were speaking um, normally, or they were arguing normally. Yeah. And I didn't expect it to go so left. <laughs> and I yeah. think each person just kept triggering each person. 
and up to the point where he broke down at the end. Yeah. I'll just hear this couple of minutes. You're being so much like your father. Do not compare me to my father. I didn't compare you to him. I said you were acting like him. You're exactly like your mother. Everything you're complaining about her, you're doing. You're suffocating Henry. First of all, I, I love my mother. She was a wonderful mother. Just repeating what you told me. Secondly, how dare you compare my mother into my mother? I may be like my father, but I am not like my mother. You are. And you're like my father. You're also like my mother. You are all the bad things about all of these people. But mostly your mother. When we would lie in bed together, sometimes I would look at you and see her. It just feels so gross. I felt repulsed when you touched me. You're a slob. I made all the beds, clothes, all the cabinets, I took care of you like the infant. Makes me want to peel my skin off. You'll never be happy. And now where you're anywhere, you think you... You know, it's 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 hard to say words that you can't take back. Yeah. But once you've said it, you've already said it. And, and you just keep digging. It just keeps going. Yeah. Jesus. Found some better opposite guy than me, and in a few years, you rebel against him because you need to have your voice. But you don't want a voice. You just want to fucking complain about not having a voice. I think about being married to you, and that woman is a stranger to me. I mean, we had a child's marriage. You've gone back to your life before you met me. It's pathetic. People used to tell me that you were too selfish to be a great artist. And I used to defend you. They were absolutely right. All your best acting is behind you. You're back to being a hack. You gaslighted me. You're a fucking villain. You want to present yourself as a victim because it's a good legal strategy? Fine. But you and I both know you chose this life. You wanted it until you didn't. You used me so you could get out of L.A. I didn't use you. You did, and then you blamed me for it. You always made me aware of what I was doing wrong, how I was falling short. Life with you was joyless. What's the idea to go and fuck someone else? You shouldn't be upset that I fucked her. You should be upset that I had a laugh with her. Do you love her? No. Okay, um, when I heard that, I wasn't sure whether that made sense. <laughs> yeah, like... Um, Maybe there's... For those who are married, maybe you can let us know, but... <laughs> does it make sense if a man who has an affair says to his wife, she should be upset about the affair, the actual sexual intercourse. Yeah. She should be upset that he, he and the alleged mistress shared yeah. a laugh, a moment. Yeah. So I can somehow explain it a bit. Um, because, which is why people ask when a partner has cheated, did it mean anything? Because a lot of times people have rationalized, like, you know, the sexual act sometimes as just a physical thing you know, the mood can be right and all those things and mistakes can happen. But that's why she then asked, did you, like, do you love her? After I said the thing about sharing a laugh with her, she then asked, like, do you love her, right? Because I feel like that in itself feels a lot more real than a physical act sometimes to some people and people try to separate that is what I think yeah, is going Yeah, 100%, here. I get that. I just felt yeah. it was a weird illustration. Of yeah. that point that that yep. um <laughs> that Charlie did make. Yeah. She didn't hate me. You hated me. You hated me. You fucked somebody we worked with. You stopped having sex with me in the last year. I never cheated on you. That was cheating on me. But there's so much I could have done. I was a director in my twenties who came from nothing and was suddenly on the cover of fucking Time Out New York. I was hot shit and I wanted to fuck everybody and I didn't. And I loved you and I didn't want to lose you. So this point is, a, mm. is an interesting point to raise, mm. particularly with people, men and women, who probably have a lot of what you call youthful zest. Mm. And let's say you start a relationship very early in your 
20s or your mid 20s but you're still like according to the streets you are you Hot are high kick, value yeah. mm. i wonder the people think no i don't no no i don't wonder because i've heard this before i've heard someone mm. tell me that they feel like they give someone their best years their best years of their of their youth mm. and they were, they were in relationship and I then asked, like, okay, if you're not in a relationship, will you be on the streets? Oh, like, no, would no, you be, really. for lack of a better word, okay, I'm not going to use that word, but <laughs> would you be on the streets? Yeah. And I don't see those people that, I mean, the girl, was, the girl in question I'm talking about, she won't be on the streets anyway. Yeah. Probably be with another guy in another relationship. <laughs> yeah. So I think sometimes, like, there's this idea of, oh, your young days should be wild and free, which I understand, but I don't think wild and free always has to be wild and free with the man them or the woman them. Yeah. I think wild and free can also be like with your experiences, with what you eat, places yeah. you go, things you try, fights you pick up, yeah. um, jobs you try. I don't know, but Absolutely. I think the, the wild and free as rep is often linked to promiscuity. promiscuity? Yeah, I that, that word. word. <laughs> for the, for yeah. the most part. And yeah. I want to challenge that a bit. Absolutely. I think, I think obviously like in this movie, they like, I guess maybe that's the, that's, um, you know, Charlie's character because he reduced it to just that. But I think sometimes when I even think about myself in that sense, um, I think sometimes depending on how you're choosing to build a relationship in your early, like, you know, teens and, you know, early twenties and things like that. I think there might be certain things you give up for the other person. Um, maybe, you know, what you like to do is to, I don't know, always travel and go somewhere. But it's true, Sha. It's true. Yeah. Loki, it's true. You give up things if you're... You give up things, yeah. You give up things. Because ah, even, even, even just... That word and free can be sweet too. Yeah. Let's, let's not lie. So I get the appeal. The appeal is there. Yeah. And again, I'm not going to even speak against it because I don't know whether I fall into the category of those who can speak against it. Mm. So whether it's hypocritical from, from speaking against word and free because... It's probably a couple of years that will count as wild and free in my own 20s. Mm. Um, But yeah, I mean, his point was interesting because I think some couples also feel like they are, some people in, in some, how do you, some husbands or wives in, in, in marriage may feel like they were the ones who had to maybe settled or gave up their, Punching. They were the ones that were punching. They like were, from they were, Love Love Island starting again. No, 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 they were settling. The punchers look up. Yeah, the punchers look up. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I'm using the alternative of OS. Okay, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, so yeah, somebody, yeah, yeah. the other person was punching. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And. Oh, jeez. Love Island. Oh, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> it's Coco starting again. Apparently, it's uh, out. Anyway, let me, let me know. Yeah, there. yeah. I think yeah. it's started. Let's, let's wrap up with these uh, few points. So obviously that that scene ended up with him crying. Um, yeah, because he said some just very good wild, scene. crazy things. Then there's a point at the end of the movie when he came to visit them after he had moved. So he moved to LA eventually. Mm-hmm. Came to visit them, and this was probably where my emotional chord struck as a man. Because at that point he had he had, he had already lost no matter what he did because. When he came to visit them, he realized that they had a life without him. Yeah. There was a scene when her, the mom, and a new boyfriend went into the assembly room and shut the door. To change, yeah. To change. <laughs> just there. Yeah. 
and you just realize like my absence didn't really the my absence like cemented the fact that yes that they have a life without me mm. and i wonder how that feels like as a man because if you divorce a woman or she divorces you and eventually she has the kids and if you're lucky she's a very attractive woman and she meets somebody else I wonder what your life is going to be like if you have your kids and your former wife in a new family. And now you're now the peripheral member. If not just the person who just shows up for the kid and max, max, max attendance. Yeah. That must be very, very horrible. Um... I agree, but there's also another way to look at look at it because um, what of the case whereby because the person that stays with the kid because the person has to raise the kid the person also gives up on a lot of stuff like this works because you know there's a mother she was able to do her career you know mother is raising the kid at home as well and all of those things. Well, imagine the situation where the person can't take certain decisions because they're with the kid and then the other person yeah but work. yeah are you confined being with the kid as less valuable than following something or working i'm saying that there are situations where you as you've described the being with the kid as being the positive part of it somebody else could describe it as in some cases being the short end of the stick right because most movies actually paint that sometimes that situation where you know really yeah I mean, particularly in the five for custody i think the five for custody then they definitely want the kid but also I feel like the, the custody battles, um, like the way I've seen custody battles always played out, obviously is like the mother wants to keep the kid. The father says he wants to stay involved and all of that. And it's always played out like that. But I've seen movies that don't have to do with divorce where, you know, the woman is left with the responsibility of the kid. And because of that, you know, maybe she has to go to work and then she misses an interview because she has to go drop the kid at school. She misses certain things because... So you get what, that's yeah. then just the actual consequences of being a single parent. Yeah. The, the toughness, the yeah. ridiculous, you know, responsibility that you're given as a single mother. Which is why the Lord does the things that he does to make sure that the, the single parents, the person with the kid is always supported. And usually, you know, they don't like to separate the kid from the mother in this case. So I'm just saying, like, obviously, imagine the same movie that, you know, he came in and it's not a beautiful house. They're not running around shooting guns, but it's a very messy house. She's struggling. She doesn't look as pretty. Like, I'm sure in that moment. Yeah. Uh-huh, that's what I'm saying. So I'm saying, obviously, the way the movie was depicted, it made, like, he seemed like the pretty person that was left out of the situation. And being left out in that situation now feels like the... So on, on that same point about how society views women, I think here's the best voice note to end this conversation. I think this was the best monologue of the movie and it was Nora's monologue about being a perfect mother in quotes. Oh my God, I don't know. Just stop it before it gets to the past that you know I'm not going to be comfortable with. What part? Um, I'll, I'll tell you to stop it if you keep playing up to that point. We're going. I, 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 wish, I wish you were talking about the same thing. Yes. Okay. People don't accept mothers who drink too much wine and yell at their child and call him an asshole. I get it. I do it too. 
We can accept an imperfect dad. Let's face it, the idea of a good father was only invented like 30 years ago. Before that, fathers were expected to be silent and absent and unreliable and selfish. And we can all say we want them to be different. But on some basic level, we accept them. We love them for their fallibilities, but people absolutely don't accept those same failings in mothers. We don't accept it structurally, and we don't accept it spiritually, because the basis of our Judeo-Christian whatever is Mary, mother of Jesus, and she's perfect. She's a virgin who gives birth, right, unwaveringly supports her child and holds really? his dead body when he's gone. Yeah. No, the clip, the clip just reinforced what you were saying in a yeah. way where you said that women who might be divorced and are single mothers, right? Mm. No matter what, still face a reality that is harsher. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And even though system favor them as the one they try to, to be nearer to, excuse me, nearer to them, their world is still different. Yeah. They are viewed differently by their peers. They are viewed differently at work. Very differently by perspective, new lovers and suitors. Mm. And no matter what happens, even if they win, they're still viewed differently. Yeah. And I think that's what she reminded me of what Nora was trying to say there. The way she went around it is not the way I would say it. Mm. But as a lawyer who's supposed to use words to strike emotion and create some kind of backing, I get why you use that pattern of language, fair enough, mm. right? But the point she was trying to make was to Nicole was your job is to look like a perfect modern society because anything less, and anything less, you're just going to lose because yeah. perfection is not enough, right? And that yeah. was the message there, and yeah. it, which which is a bit sad. If it's true in American societies, or even if in our society as well. Um, but I guess I'm just gonna end with two questions. Is one, given you watched the entire movie, who did you empathize with more? Nicole or Charlie? And mm. what did you learn from watching it? <laughs> it sounds like a Bible study lesson <laughs> at the end. That's the moral lesson of the story. Um, I think I definitely empathize with Nicole um a lot more. Um, and what did I learn? I wouldn't say a whole lot per se. Um, nothing that I didn't know. So maybe just reinforced certain things of like, it's important the reasons why you decide to be with someone and don't ignore certain things just because you're having a good time in that moment. And the thing that we said about things definitely get amplified because marriage is like a, accelerants for anything that it sees both the good and the bad but more often the bad um so the good that happens before the marriage is the best that usually ever happens but the bad can be way worse is how people have described mm. <laughs> what like marriages can be like um in that sense and maybe more like you know don't involve lawyers if you can but i feel like that only works if the other person is like a rational person because in the video i mentioned i watched on youtube I can get why the guy was being very like heavy, hot and heavy because certain mothers or certain women or certain people on the other side of that have used the law to their advantage where maybe $500 was enough for maintaining the child. But now that you've gone through whatever, you tell the lawyers and the courts that you need $5,000. 
and you know the man ends up paying for your vacation because you've been raising a child and so just all of those like weird 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 things where people start to use that to their own advantage and as a way to get back at someone um in that sense um and the lawyers are also responsible because the more they can get out of it the, they're incentivized to get as mm. much as they can not because they care about the child at the end of the day because you spent all that money paying the lawyer in the first place like you know even in the movie half of his grant money he, he puts it into getting more tough lawyers to really try and yeah, fight for yeah. for what was not at the end of the day so um at the end of the day person that probably we should blame for this whole thing was the uh the person in the movie that came to the trailer and told Nicole to go call Nora because <laughs> um it would probably have ended maybe it shouldn't have been in a better place or would have taken her longer but I feel like yeah, yeah introducing third parties that are incentivized by money um never really ends well is what I would say that's the lesson I learned as well yeah, hundred percent. Um, in terms of empathy, I think mine shifted from Nicole to Charlie, and Nicole at the start to the middle, and Charlie towards the end. Um, yeah, because I, I feel like he was going down, she was going up. Um, yeah, I get that, but it's hard to feel that way for a narcissist. So it's almost like you have to go through that climb back. So it's fine if you're going down as long as it makes you realize and become a better person. That's how I saw it. Um, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> and I yeah. think in terms of lessons, I'll just say that one thing that was interesting was the fact that, you know, if you have all these things as a husband or as a wife, even if your first one was even if your first seen a mistake or your first transgression occurred through negligence or through accidents or whatever you're not knowing if you if you do another one after you've just like how do i say this okay because okay in the movie right mm. his first crime was just the fact that he was a little bit selfish right which probably they might have gotten divorced, but probably his case would have been a lot different. But then that led to him then having an affair. And then you made your comeback a lot more impossible. And it's better if, okay, you either come back at the first negligence point or you split at the first negligence point knowing that you're splitting at a better battlefield or a safer battlefield. But my point is, the more you add up after your first point of negligence, the more you add up consciously, the more you've made things worse. Because even if you split, they're going to use that against you because the original story won't matter anymore. Mm. Right? And if you stay together, well, you, you have a lot more things for your wife to be worried about because you've already called her names that you can't take back. You've already had affairs that you can't take back. Um. But I like to believe, well, A, that movie probably depicts some part of reality, but also I hope that that is not the reality of most people who get divorced. I hope most people who get divorced probably find some eventual satisfaction because... 
not according to that YouTube video. <laughs> so, <laughs> so just, I don't think there's data out there to support your hopes and wishes. I feel like there's a hence, lot of chaos. Hence why I say hope. Um, one, <laughs> one has to end on, on positive words, you know. Uh, and yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I think that was a good... I mean, I'll let you guys decide, you guys listening, whether that was a good first breakdown. And we'll listen back to this and learn from this and see what we can change. Um, but you guys let us know how we thought about this breakdown let's know if you've seen the movie in fact actually where would you let us know you can let us know <laughs> on our Instagram or Twitter or in our campaign survey down below Yellow Pill Junkie um, please feel please help us fill it up um, we said last week said a bit before run the campaign to get, you, get to know you guys better and we really want to get to know you guys better achieve that goal know who you are as people behind the scenes behind your earphones and your and your ipads and your car radios and your phones and this will help us a lot it'll take you about 10 minutes i think to finish it and we have about amazon vouchers up for grabs in a couple of weeks for one or two people who contribute to the European junkie campaign um, but yeah we hope you guys enjoyed this episode let us know in any way you can let us know let us know what you think about it um, one we can let us know as well is to give this episode a like or a rating and we can probably use that as fuel to keep keep on with this format but yeah we hope you enjoyed it it's a bit of an experiment we hope it's been successful I hope so I like to listen back to it again next week we'll be back again on that topic Stay tuned, look out for that, and we hope you enjoy it. Alrighty. Thanks, people. Catch you next week. Peace out. And now, a personal note to you, our listeners, to you listening right now. Thank you for listening to this episode of the LOPO podcast. Now, we know that in our culture of 30 second content and quick sound bites, it makes it really hard to pay attention to longer form discussions. So regardless of what brought you here, we are grateful for your time. Do give us a five-star rating and review if you like this episode. Also be sure to continue the conversation with your friends, your family, and your colleagues. Another way to support us is by subscribing to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you're listening right now. We release new episodes every Monday. But don't forget to follow us at the Yellow Pill Pod on Instagram and at Yellow Pill underscore pod on Twitter to stay in touch with us during the week. Once again, folks, thank you for taking Yellow Pill with us today. I'm your co-host Wally as always, and right next to me is Toby. And we both wish you the very best in the coming weeks. Till next time, peace and love, people. Peace and love.